It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Today, you ask the questions and I give the answers. And there are a lot of questions, especially after the weekend and the way it was. Not so much the game on Thursday. That was a good one. Nashville came in. The Blue Jackets played for the first time in two weeks because of an unexpected COVID break that they had to go into just before the Christmas holiday. But they came out of that. They took on a Nashville team that had came out of uh, their break the night before. And the Blue Jackets were able to grind out a win on home ice, they won that game in a shootout over the Predators. And then the New Year's Day game came on Saturday, and everything was looking great. The Blue Jackets were up 4 to nothing over the Carolina Hurricanes, and it looked like things were under control. But if you were really watching and if you really knew how to watch, you knew that they weren't under control. You knew the Blue, the Blue Jackets were lucky to have the lead that they did. And then eventually they didn't have that lead anymore as Carolina scored seven straight and won by the score of seven to four. So there are a lot of questions about that. I get it. I understand. We're going to get right into it in just a few minutes here. But first, I've got to tell you about my good friends over at Telhio Credit Union because they have been helping people with their finances for a long, long time. They have been part of this community for ever, it seems, to be honest with you. And the reason is because of the great services and the great customer care that they bring to you. Now, one of the questions you might have right off the bat is, okay, I know about being with a bank. Why should I join a credit union? Well, the answer to that question, which is probably number one in your mind, the answer to that one, and any other question that you have, you can find on their website at tellhio.org. You just surf around, you click on the different tabs, and you get the information that you're looking for. Maybe it's something as simple as a personal checking account. Maybe it is a small business loan or anything in between. They can help you at Telhio Credit Union. So just go onto the website, as I said, surf around, uh, take a look. Your questions will be answered. And if you can't find the answer to something, and it's during regular business hours, just click on the live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen. Somebody will come up right on your screen to help you find the answer that you are looking for. Tell Ohio Credit Union is open to everyone in Central and Southwestern Ohio. They are federally insured by NCUA. All right, let's get to the questions. And as I said, I know that uh, there are a lot of them based on the New Year's Day game. And rightfully so. I mean, there are a lot of questions about this team right now. It started off really, really well. And then it hasn't been so well as of late. Voice questions usually go first. Today is no exception. Anytime you want to send me a voice question, all you have to do is get on your phone, record a voice memo or a voice recording on your phone and email it to me, bobbymack at bluejackets.com, B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C at bluejackets.com. And that's how the first question of today's show came to me. Hello, Bob. It's Greg in Cleveland. Well, after yesterday's loss to the Hurricanes, to me, it just feels like this team plays hot potato with a lead way more often than they should. You know, this case of you take it, no, you take it. So because I'm blacked out from watching the games on TV, I wanted to ask you, what were the breakdowns that you witnessed in that game? Obviously, the shot differential was one of them. The fact that the Jackets scored four goals on 18 shots was fortunate in itself. Um, Second thing I wanted to ask you about was Tarasov's injury. Any mention on a timetable for his return? 
uh, whether it's to the monsters or the jackets. And then finally, there have been some good questions recently from some listeners, uh, some Hockey 101 questions, if you will. And I was thinking you probably got a lot of new listeners, um, people new to the sport. And I thought, wouldn't it be a good little addition if maybe once per episode you touched on one aspect of hockey terminology, back check, forecheck, toe drag, things like that. Um, if not understood, otherwise I thought that'd be a, a cool little addition to the show. All right. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate that suggestion you had there at the end, and I can actually tie that into something that's coming up here in just a moment. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, I'll break down for you very succinctly what I think happened on Saturday against the Carolina Hurricanes. All right, first of all, their goaltender stunk. Anti Ranta was no good in the first period of that game, and that's why he only played the first period of that game. He gave up three goals on nine shots. You can break that down any way you want to. Did Zach Wierenski have a good shot when he scored? Yes, he did. Did uh, Adam Boquist have a good shot when he scored? Yes, he did. I'm not taking that away. I'm just saying three goals, nine shots. That is not a good percentage for a goaltender, and he was gone. Goaltending was the difference in the entire game. It honestly was because he left. Freddie Anderson came in. He played much, much better. Then on the other side, you had Daniil Tarasov, who I thought was playing lights out. I mean, he was just stopping everything that came his way. He was reading the puck very well. Uh, He was able to see it through traffic. He was just making the stops. He had things under control. He was getting a ton of shots put his way. He was just watching the Carolina Hurricanes stay in his zone forever, it seemed. And he was still making the plays. And then he got hurt late in the second period or at some point during the second period and gingerly went down the tunnel to the dressing room. And yesterday was a day off for the team, so I don't know what his status is, but it's not good. It's really not good. I mean, he comes in, he finally gets a chance to make a start at home, and he's having a great two periods, and then all of a sudden, he's gone. And that changed the dynamics. Look, Elvis Merzlikens came in. I, I, I am not going to tell you it's not what I feel is one of the most difficult jobs in sports to come in and take over as a goaltender in the National Hockey League. I understand that in football, your starting quarterback can get hurt, and all of a sudden the backup has to go out there and and he has to play. Look what happened just the other day in, in the Rose Bowl where the starting quarterback for Utah gets hurt and the backup comes in. This kid has never even thrown a pass in his college career, and he ends up throwing a touchdown pass that ties the game. Now, it turned out not to be enough. I get it. I understand. But that's a tough job to have to come in in that situation. But to come on as a goaltender, and Elvis did have a little bit of uh, warning, of course. He knew during the intermission that he was going to be coming into the game. But that's not one of the games that you want to come into. Because Carolina, as I said, they've spent all that time in your zone. They now, they're looking at that. They're licking their chops. They're going, here goes a goalie that sat and watched two periods, and we got to jump on him early. And they did. And there were some bad bounces that went against the Blue Jackets, the puck that came off the glass and bounced right back into the middle. And Elvis is looking forward over his left shoulder to come out on the other side of the net, which it does nine out of ten times. In the meantime, it was shot to his right and wound up in the net. There were bad bounces. I'll give you that. There was no doubt about that. But on the other hand, you know, he just wasn't able to make the stops that he had to make. I, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Uh, he kicked one right back out into the slot. I know Zach Wierenski said after the game, this is not on our goaltenders. But, you know, he he just he didn't have it in the third period. What can I tell you? He didn't have it in the third period. Did he have the amount of help that he needed? No, he didn't. But then he wasn't able to 
put the team on his back coming in cold after the second period and, and get it done. So, you know, those are just facts. And, and as I saw it, as I watched it, those are facts right there. But the other thing is, and I know uh, Zach said this after the game too, Carolina, they knew they were down four to nothing and they knew there were, there might as well have been a million minutes left on the clock. They never stopped playing the way they always play. They skated hard. They came after people. I have some questions about line A and Voracek coming up here. It Listen, it all comes back to the Carolina Hurricanes. They dictated what was going to happen. They just did, and then they started to score. So, um, you know, you could see it coming from a mile away. I couldn't believe the Blue Jackets were up 4 to nothing. I couldn't believe they were up 4-2. to two. They were being outplayed. They had Carolina running around in the Blue Jackets zone all afternoon. And yet the Blue Jackets were winning, and it was great. It was absolutely great until it wasn't great. And then it was it was hard to take. But, you know, it. I would say it happens, but you'll come back and say, well, they never gave up a four-goal lead ever. And that they allowed seven in a row. That doesn't happen. No, but, but it did. It did. I don't know what uh, I don't know what else I can tell you. But, you know, the breakdowns were that Carolina just kept doing what they do, and eventually it paid off. That's really, and then you had the goaltender that was playing really well got hurt, and the other guy came in and he wasn't ready for that challenge, and and nobody helped him become ready for the challenge. They didn't bail him out when he needed bailed out a little bit. So um, it's really to me, it's a pretty simple breakdown. Now, Greg, you did say about doing a little bit of hockey 101. So let me do that. I had this question that came to me on Twitter from Robinson's Renegades. And it says, I was hoping to get some clarification on the too many men on the ice ruling because as the Hurricanes obtained possession before their sixth goal, they had nine guys on the ice. was wondering if you could look at the tape and give us your thoughts. I didn't look at the tape, but I, I just want to tell you the way that rule works or is supposed to work is when you're making a change on the fly, you can start to come off the bench when your teammate is within five feet of the bench. Now that five feet is subjective at times. Usually they're not going to call a penalty when you have more than the five guys on the ice, only if somebody touches the puck while you have more than the five guys on the ice. Now I didn't look at it. I didn't. And when it was going on, nothing stood out to me as far as they had too many men on the ice, to be honest with you. But I just want to clarify that rule by rule, it's within five feet. So what I'm saying to you is you could send all five guys over to the bench, and if they're all coming and they're all within five feet, technically, and again, there's that's you're eyeballing it as an official, you're eyeballing it, but if the puck is away and or let's say one guy's got the puck and four guys come to the bench and four other guys jump on, I guess technically you could have nine guys on the ice, but if the puck isn't there, in that vicinity, or if nobody is playing the puck while that switch is being made, technically you could have all those guys on the ice at the same time. So that's a little hockey 101 for you. And and again, I didn't go back and look at it and and look at that play in particular. And I'll tell you why, because uh, listen, that the way the game was going, it wasn't going to matter anyway. The Carolina was destined to win that game, whether that goal was called back or it was not called back in my opinion, but I I just didn't, I didn't look at it, but I just want to give you the, uh, the official um, description of the rules there. So it, it is possible you could have a lot of guys on the ice, but as long as they're not playing the puck, 
they're not going to get whistled for too many men on the ice. Now, before I get to all of the other questions I have, and there are a bunch, there are a bunch, um, I wanted to go back in time to the Monday mailbag I did on November the 8th. The Blue Jackets had just come off back-to-back wins over the Colorado Avalanche, and they were going, well, they were in the midst of, at this time, a five-day break, okay? They started the season 7-3 and in their first 10 games. That's where the team was, 7-3, and coming off back-to-back wins against Colorado and one against Jersey prior to that. So three wins in a row, going into a five-day break. Everybody was all excited. Everybody was happy about everything that was going on back at that time. I don't know if you remember that time, but I, I want to bring it back to you right now because it's important before we go through the rest of this show, okay? Mark Carell II asked me a question on that show. Mark actually has a question on this show, too. I want to go back to the question that he asked me on that day, November the 8th. I want you to listen to my answer once again. It's a long answer, but I want you to listen to it before we move ahead and talk about the way this team is playing right now and where they are at this point in time. So once again, this is from the Monday Mailbag on November the 8th. The Blue Jackets at the time were 7-3. and three. Mark Carell II says, I'm not saying they'll win the cup, but wow, do the kids look like they belong, and this team does not look like a bottom five lottery team. This seems sustainable for the season. From what you've seen, do you agree or disagree? I, I, don't, I don't disagree with it. I just need to see it. I'm a doubting Thomas when it comes to this, I guess. But, you know, I, you are, you're right. You're right. It looks like it is sustainable right now. But there are some real challenges ahead. Cautiously optimistic. Those are the two words that I'm going to use until further notice. I like what I see. I love what I see. I love the chemistry and the camaraderie and the wins and all of that. I love it. But I just know that it's a long season. I keep saying 70 games left, 72 games left, actually. And those two games that I kept leaving out is a total of four points. Four points goes a long way in a playoff race. Here's what I'll tell you. Just enjoy the ride. Be supportive. Uh, these guys need you. They talk about it all the time in their postgame press conferences. And somebody asked about the maturity. Yeah, they, they do seem very mature. Even the 18-year-old is very mature for his age. Uh, so be behind them. Be cheering for them. Um, back them. I, they deserve your support, the way they're playing right now. But be ready. Be ready. They're going to hit bumps in the road. It's not going to go on like this all year. And if it does, I will be the first one to step forward and tell you how happy I was to be wrong. All right? I promise you I will do that. So that was my take from November the 8th when the Blue Jackets were 7-3. and three. I told you it was coming. I told you to enjoy the ride. I told you adversity was on the horizon. The adversity is here. That doesn't mean you bail on them now. They're still a much better team at home than they are on the road. They still really give that great effort at home, despite what happened on Saturday afternoon. So I I just wanted to remind you that I was right, that I told you. I told you enjoy it as long as it lasts. And that doesn't mean that that's not coming back again. I'm not saying that whatsoever, because it has the potential to do just that. But right now, these are trying times for this team. And when trying times come, that's when everything is tested. That's when the character of the players shows. That's when the character of the staff shows. And that's when your character shows, too. (laughs) I mean, 
sometimes people are quick to bail. And sometimes they stay with it. You just have to have a little sense of reality in the whole thing. And at the beginning, it was easy to lose that sense of reality because they played so well out of the gate. And it looked like, well, it looked like what I just talked about back then. And now it looks like something different, but it can get back to that point. So let's continue here. I told you Mark Correll has a question today, and here it is. Do you think it's time to punt on the season? Now, just think of these two questions in the one back then and the way this one starts out. Do you think it's time to punt on the season? Is Brad Larson the guy for the job? The kids are learning how to fall apart in new and fantastic ways, breaking franchise records in doing so. They are not learning how to handle the ebbs and flows of the game at all. I disagree with that, Mark. I do. I really disagree with that. They... Maybe they're not learning at your pace. Maybe they're not learning at the coach's pace. Maybe they're not learning at the general manager's pace. But the fact of the matter is they are learning. Every time they go through a situation like that, it is a learning or it's a lesson. It's a lesson. And the lesson was, Zach Wierenski said this, the lesson the other day was look at Carolina and how they play. They never quit. They never gave up on their game. They kept on coming. They kept doing what they do. Aggressive forecheck. They just, you know, they took chances, and the Blue Jackets burned them on their chances, but it didn't phase them. They were unflappable. And you know why? Because they are a team that has now had a good amount of success with their core. They have brought in other veteran players that have had success, and they know how to handle it. They're an older team. And I'm not saying that... I. I'm not just saying that uh, if you're young, you can't handle stuff all the time, but guys that have been through it in different places with different groups in different cities, they just know how to handle things better. They have experience. Think, just think of where you are in your life. If you are older and you've, you know, you've graduated college, you've had uh, your career for a number of years, you think of where you are and what you've learned along the way. And, Compare that to what did you know coming out of high school? What did you know coming out of college? Not nearly as much as you know now, right? That's just a fact of life. So it's a lot of people say, well, that's an excuse. You can't use youth as an excuse. Well, you can to an extent. Look, none of us like to lose. The players don't like to lose. The coaches don't like to lose. But to say that they're not learning how to handle the ebbs and flows, that's that's not fair. That's not right. I think they are learning how to handle it. Again, are they learning it at the pace that you or I would like? No. No, they're not. But you can't speed up the process sometimes. We'd all love to speed up the process. But sometimes you just cannot speed it up. So uh, is Brad Larson the right guy? He's a teaching coach. And this is a team that is in need of being taught. You know, we forget. I was talking about Cole Sillinger on that answer from back in November. He's still very mature at 18, but look at where his minutes are. Look at the minutes he was playing early in the season and look at the minutes he's playing now. Why is that? Well, because he was coming into the league and he was, you know, all full of that energy and excitement. And then you start to go through the NHL schedule with the travel and playing against really grown men and um, and you hit a wall and you eventually break through that wall and then you get going again, and then you learn how to maintain throughout the course of an entire season. You're not going to figure that out at 18 years old. 
You have to be really, 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 really special to do that. And I'm not saying Cole's not special. He is. But it's just bound to happen. I said to you way back when, do Cole Sillinger and Igor Chinikov need to be in Cleveland? Because the argument is you want to be there and develop them and play them a lot of minutes. Well, they're playing minutes and they're developing. It's just they're doing it in the National Hockey League. Going into the season, we all knew that this was kind of what it was going to be, that it was going to be uh, a younger group. And even the guys that aren't younger, they haven't necessarily been around here for very long or at all. And it was going to take time to mesh and all that stuff. We all knew that. And then you start off hot and then you kind of forget about what you already knew. And, And I understand that. I get it. I get it. But, you know, to start saying, is this guy the right guy? Is that guy the right guy? I think everything is, I think everybody is the right person for everything right now. It, it's just not resulting in the wins that you want to see at this moment. Um, Maddie says, to what extent does coaching affect the players during a game? It seems like the coaches are blamed for everything or nothing. Does it fall more on the players or the coach to turn things around at this point in the season? Again, they're both responsible, but John Tortorella used to say this all the time, and he was right. Coaches get blamed for everything when the team loses, and they get pretty much zero credit when the team wins. And that's okay. I mean, that's the job. But it is on the players, and it is on some of the veteran players to step up and and play better on certain nights. Again, I think that's very fair to say. And I think any veteran player that – knows their own game, will tell you when the game is over if if they played that game or if they didn't play their game. So it's uh, it's a combination. It really is a combination. Uh, Ryan Marchone says, I keep hearing the reason the team is blowing all of the late leads is their youth. I get it. They're inexperienced in the NHL, but these guys have been playing at the top level their whole lives. It seems to me to be a mental block now. How and when do they get over it? Ryan, they've been playing at the top level all their lives of what? Not of the National Hockey League. I mean, they've been playing uh, at the top of the, you know, the NCAA or their junior hockey team. or None of that is the National Hockey League. None of it is. I mean, yeah, it's a high level of hockey. It's a lot higher than, you know, playing the adult league out at the Chiller. I get it, but it's not... It's not the National Hockey League. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to go through. And they're going through the process. They're going through it right now. It is, uh, you know, how and when do they get over it? When, uh, I I don't know, when? And how do they get over it? They just got to work. They have just got to work and continue to work. Can't play 20 minutes, can't play 40 minutes, can't play 50 minutes, can't play 58 minutes. Got to play 60 minutes of hockey. Again, Saturday, they had that game. They were they were in control of it. They were being outplayed. They were still in control. And Carolina never wavered. They just kept on coming. And that's because they've learned that as a group and as veteran players. They've learned how to do that. All right, here is... Uh, Another question, this one from Jody that says, I love Patrick Laine's play on Thursday. It was the first time really setting him up consistently. What happened to that on Saturday when it seemed to fall apart? I have another question that involves Patrick Laine here. Let me just uh, go to that. 
And this one comes from Sean in Grove City. Sean says, first of all, nice to have Patrick Line back. He came out swinging with a goal in his first game back on Thursday. Secondly, I know people want to ask about how the boys could give up seven unanswered, but we knew this kind of stuff would happen this year. Doesn't make it easier to swallow, but we got to live with it. That said, I was hoping you could talk about what it's like on the road with the team, favorite people to spend time with, uh, anyone have some weird quirk like must-have coffee from the hotel lobby or stuff like that. Thanks for everything you do. I listen as often as possible. Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. But, you know, the Patrick Line thing, you know, there you are. Nice to have Patty back. You know, Jody's saying, yeah, it was nice to have him back on Thursday. Where was he on Saturday? And, Sean, I'll get to the rest of your thing here in a minute. Listen, on Saturday, the Carolina Hurricanes took Jake Voracek and Patrick Line out of that game. They took him out. They had two guys on them at all times. They double-teamed them. Whenever the puck would go in the direction of one of those guys, they double-teamed them, and they were on them. And they, when they had the puck in the defensive zone, they were forechecking them. They had pressure on them all day long. Pressure, 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 pressure. If Line was going to beat him, he was going to have to go through at least two, probably three guys to do that. That's just good team defense. Again, that's experience. That's what they did to those guys. That's what you do to a team like the Blue Jackets when you can look at the roster and you can say, and look, there's no Oliver Bjorkstrand in there. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. That's a guy that you normally have to worry about that you didn't have to worry about if you were Carolina. When Jenner, Line A, and Voracek come over the boards, we're taking two of these guys out. We're going to make sure that they can't make the plays that they have to make. We're going to make sure that Jake doesn't get that pass across. We're going to make sure Line A doesn't sit there and just get ready to one-time pucks. And they did that. They did it. Because after that, I mean, really, there are other guys that can score. I get it. I understand that. But are the other guys as dangerous? Texier is proving to be dangerous. I'll give you that. But again, concentrate on that line. Take that line out of it. Frustrate those guys. And you've already got a lot of the work done to get the win. So that's what happened, Jody. That's what happened to him on Saturday. The Carolina Hurricanes happened. Now, Sean, let me get back to the rest of this. Um, I can talk about what it's like on the road with the team in two different ways this year because up until the last road trip, it was pretty much like normal where you, you know, you get to go on the plane. We are so fortunate, so fortunate. Get to travel on the plane with the team, stay in the same hotel with the team, uh, you know, go out to dinner, go to these different cities, be able to walk around, see things, go to stores, buy things. I mean, it's if you want to do that, it, it's it's great. It's a great experience. People always say to me, do you ever get tired of traveling? I don't. Maybe someday I will, but I don't. And last year we didn't do it at all, so it's, uh, it's all new again. But uh, it's a great experience. And you get to, like for me, I do get to hang out with my friends and – on the road, you know, it's pretty much our, our little media group. Uh, we stay together. And when I say that, it's not just – I'm not talking about just uh, Jody Shelley and Jeff Rimmer and me. And then there are all the TV guys, uh, the, you know, the guys behind the scenes, the producer directors and, um, you know, the, the replay guys and stats guys and, you know, whoever's on the trip. It, it's always that same group. And we've traveled together now for years. And um, we're friends. We enjoy each other's company. We enjoy those dinners and – uh, just get a chance to kind of, you know, hang out and and be with your buddies and, and talk about hockey and talk about a lot of sports. You know, if there's if you have a Sunday off during the NFL season like we've had twice this year, 
you know, we're just sitting around watching football and talking about games. It's, um, again, blessed is the word. There's no doubt about that. Fortunate. Um, appreciative is really the word. That, that's where I am, I am with it. But uh, that's what it's kind of like. As far as weird quirks, um, no, I don't I don't know if anybody has uh, have to have the coffee from the hotel lobby. I don't know. Um, like we're, uh, you know, we stay at some much nicer places at work than I do when I'm on my own. So when I'm on my own, I always have to have the lobby coffee just because I don't want to pay for one somewhere else. <laughs> but um, no, I don't have any, uh, I don't have any weird quirks like that. But uh, thanks, Sean. A little bit of fun there. I enjoy that. So thank you for asking that question. Now let's get back to the non-fun part of it. Uh, <laughs> again, dissecting a little bit what's going on with this team right now. Um, Siebes says, we've had multiple games this season where we were significantly behind in shots. Is this the new style that we're playing or just a weak team or something else, do you think? It's, um, no, it, part of it's a style, part of it's the personnel, and part of it is missing the net, quite honestly. Um, you know, there are shot attempts and there are shots on goal, and there are a lot of times this team doesn't have enough shots on goal. I will tell you another reason that that happens at times is because they get too cute and they get too fancy and they make too many passes and don't shoot the puck. So I think when you put all that stuff together, Siebes, that's why that situation uh, has been in existence at different times this year. Kelly says, just curious, are there any players left on the taxi squad after sending several back to Cleveland? The answer to that, Kelly, is no, and the reason is because the Blue Jackets didn't have a game Sunday and Monday, so they were able to send those players back to the American Hockey League. They didn't need a taxi squad. There was no practice on Sunday. Um, you know, you don't really need them until till the um, the game, or until Tuesday or Wednesday, or maybe you want to bring some in for practice today, bring them back for practice today, whatever. But, uh, no, there was nobody on that squad after they sent them all down the other day. Um, just looking here to see when the Monsters play again. They play on Friday. They play Friday and Saturday. They're scheduled to play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, this week. So you could have those guys up during the week. Of course, there's a game on Tuesday. There's a game in New Jersey on Thursday. So you could bring them in for practice if you wanted to. Uh, we'll see how that gets approached this week. Mike the Fireman says, should management try to bring back Michael Delzato since he cleared waivers? The team is struggling defensively, and last season he was able to be a veteran presence. $2 million is a big hit, but I think he could still be useful. He would be another journeyman to pair with younger guys and mentor them. Yeah, that all sounds good on paper, Mike, but um, he has another year on that contract. So he signed two years at a $2 million per year cap hit. And I think that's, that makes it too expensive. Look, he was great to have around last year. And I understand what you're saying. I fully understand what you're saying. I think he did a good, uh, I think he did good things for this team last year. And if they could have brought him back under the conditions that they wanted to, that would have been great. But you know, as it is right now, again, this is, you're building with this team. Okay. You, uh, I think you add a Michael Delzato if you are going to be a team that is planning on trying to go not just into the playoffs, but to make a run in the playoffs. I think that's when you add that kind of veteran defenseman. I don't think they need to do that with this team as it stands right now because 
well, look, you know, Boquist is back in. So you look at the defense, even from Saturday, Wierenski and Bean, you want them to play. Gavrikov and Boquist, you want them to play. And Andrew Peak and whoever he's happened to be playing with, you want them to play. So you're going to bring in, you're not going to bring in a Michael Delzato and, and take out a, you know, whoever happens to be in on that day, Gabriel Carlson. I know you can get very frustrated with Gabe, but Gabe was a first round pick. And if you're ever going to see if he has a chance to be in the mix here, this is the time. Okay. You let him play. And this is the time. Um, Dean Kukin is coming back from injury. Again, another guy where is he going to be part of the long-term plan? You got to figure all this stuff out. And the only way you figure it out is by them playing. It can frustrate you. Uh, you can think that maybe they lose games because this guy or that guy's playing, but you got to see if they're going to be part of the big picture or not. And the way you find that out is by having them play. Andrew Peake has shown that he has a chance to be a part of the big picture because of how he has played. Um, you know, if you get into a situation, look at last year. I mean, he wasn't playing. And Michael Delzato was playing, and, you know, there were other guys like that that were that were playing, and Peake was on the taxi squad. He wasn't quite ready. Well, now he's worked. They give him the opportunity, and he's showing that he can be a part of this for a while. And you got to find that out. You have to find out if the players are going to be part of the long-term solution or they're not. Because if they're not, then you have to make decisions. Decisions like, can you trade them and get something for them? Decisions like, um, you know, should we just not re-sign the guy? Do we tell him to go back to Europe or whatever the case may be? So that's how you make those decisions. you got to let them play. And, again, sometimes it'll drive you crazy to watch them play, but you got to figure it out. The only way you figure it out is by having them do their jobs or showing you that they can't do their job. And then you have your answer. Either way, you have your answer. So, yeah, I love Michael Delzato. I love his personality. I love what he brings. But I just don't think, personally, I don't think this team is in that position right now, and especially with that price tag and having another year on the contract uh, to do that. I just I think they have enough defensemen right now and enough they have to sort through that when everybody's healthy, and I know that's another thing, that they've gotten into a pinch here where guys were either injured or on the COVID list, but that's turning around now. So when everybody's healthy, I think they have enough that they have to figure out here and let guys play and decide what direction they're going to go overall. Blue Jackets back on the ice tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena. The two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning comes to town. That's a 7 o'clock start. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 on the Blue Jackets Radio Network and on Bally Sports Ohio. And then it is off to New Jersey for a quick game and then coming back again. So the Blue Jackets uh, hoping to get a win on home ice tomorrow night before they head out on the road. Thank you for all your questions today. They're great questions. I just want to go back to what I said earlier. Listen, just don't don't give up on this thing. I know it's, it's tough times right now. Everybody is being tested uh, to... It's just what it's the way it was going to be. It's the way it was going to be. We're, we're just all being tested. The players are being tested to see if they're going to be able to play in this league and what they're going to be able to do and where their role, what what their role is going to be, where they're going to slot in on this team. Um, you know, and we just have to be patient with it. And it's tough. I get it. I know it, it's tough. Uh, you know how good they can be. You've seen how good they can be. And when they're struggling, it's hard to understand at times. But it's just the nature of the beast. 
They're going to go through it. They're going to be better for it. And the organization as a whole is going to be better for it as well. So, again, hang in there. Back to work tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And hopefully the Blue Jackets uh, can put on a good performance and, and get the points that they're looking for before they head back out on the road again. That's going to do it for this edition, this Monday mailbag edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Delhio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.